Um, I, I forgot something, which is um, about right. Um, we've ordered um, a load of booklets in line with the National Weekend of Prayer, or National Prayer Weekend. It's called Living on a Prayer. If you're a Bon Jovi fan, you'll get that. Um, Living on a Prayer, just a really small booklet, similar to the kind of Why Jesus booklet that you might have got if you've done Alpha and things like that. And it just sort of goes through why we pray, how we can pray, and that sort of thing. I'm just on cue. Daphne's taking the basket there. Um, so after the service, Daphne's going to be um, loitering probably over by the door, I think, um, and just making sure that you all um, have one, or one between two at least. Um, we'll make them go round between us all. So if you'd like to take one, just take one. They're free, um, just on behalf of the church. Okay, well, should we just pray as we look at God's word um, together? Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we can pray to you. Uh, you do answer, you do listen. And, and Lord... Uh, many people might ask questions like, well, you pray for these things and that doesn't happen and the world seems such a terrible place. But Father, it's not until we get to heaven that we'll truly know exactly all the things that you were doing, Lord, that we just didn't see. We didn't see on the BBC News website or Sky or somewhere like that. But Father God, we believe that prayer makes a big difference. So Father, we just ask that you would make a big difference in here now as we look at your word. Your spirit would touch each one of us, Lord. Challenge us, Lord. Bring us deeper into a relationship with you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. An atheist was walking through a forest in the US a few years ago, walking through a dense part of the forest uh, on a hot summer's day, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, um, jumped a massive grizzly bear. Um, I don't think anyone else experienced anything similar to that, but this massive grizzly bear jumps out from behind a bush and confronts this atheist as he walks through a forest in America. The man stands there, stares at the bear, the bear looks at the man with a slight curl on his lip and begins to growl. I don't know much about bears, but that seems to me a pretty bad sign. The man stared back and began to tremble. The bear began to get a bit angry. And, go, and then it charged at the man. Charged at him in full force. And as the bear bore, no pun intended, um, on, down on the man, he decided that he would chuck his atheism out the way and he would pray for the first time in his life. And just as the bear raised on its hind legs, about to kill him, he said, God, please forgive me for all the times I've ignored you over all these years. Lord God, if you are real, please make this bear a Christian. Just like that, the bear just stopped, calmed right down, stood on his hind legs and he slowly put his paws together, bowed his head. And said, Father, for this food I'm about to eat, I'm truly thankful. <laughs> I don't think it's a true story. <laughs> We're talking about prayer. What I love about church, though, is that you can tell us, if you wait five years, you can tell the same joke. <laughs> and no one's heard it, which is brilliant. Um, over these past few weeks, we're talking about prayer and the lead up to the National Prayer Weekend. Um, I'm still going to smile because it's still funny and I laugh for quite a long time for jo jokes these days. Um, but most people, uh, most people admit, don't they, that they've prayed at some point. Uh, whether it be grace before dinner or at one of these roadside shrines where somebody's been tragically killed or in a hospital chapel or during penalties at a World Cup. For those of you that aren't English, um, you don't understand why we pray during penalties at World Cups. And for those of us that are English, we don't understand why we pray during penalties at World Cups because clearly God doesn't answer that particular prayer, but we do it anyway. Um, but everybody admits the praying. Statistically, they reckon one in six people pray daily. One in six pray daily. And one in five people believe in the power of prayer. And that's amazing, isn't it? But that's also a real challenge because if you look around you, um, one in six people of Sawbridge Earth are not in here this morning. 
So there's more people that believe in the power of prayer than come to church. And it's quite a challenge, isn't it, um, for that reason. This week I visited, as I said earlier, lots of local shops um, and local schools to ask them if they had anything that we could pray for during our national weekend of prayer. And uh, pretty much except one woman who looked at me like I was a complete odd man, um, all of them actually seemed quite genuinely touched that we were just offering no strings attached to pray over our local towns. Schools were the same as well. They seemed just quite touched, and a few of them are very happy to have a prayer box um, in their particular organisations. So why do we pray? Why do people pray? I've got a little video from um, that David's going to play. It just answers that question. Why do we pray? Have you ever wondered why so many people pray? Well, Albert Einstein said that there's really only two ways to live, as if nothing's a miracle or as if everything's a miracle. Either life's a fluke and we're just a bunch of highly evolved animals on a big rock lost in space, or there's a creator behind creation, a a God behind goodness. And if so, then connecting with him in prayer is pretty much the most mind-blowing thing you can do. Archaeologists keep digging stuff up that shows we've always prayed. People of many faiths pray daily. Even atheists admit to praying sometimes. Real prayer is a two-way conversation with the living God who loves and listens to the things we say. Jesus said, ask anything in my name and it'll be done. We have a chance to ask for peace, healing, help or whatever we need. Life matters, you matter, your choices, thoughts, prayers and actions echo in eternity. But... In case you hadn't noticed, God is pretty much invisible and not always easy to hear. There are distractions, disappointments, and questions that we all share. That's why 24-7 Prayer does stuff to help thousands of people in hundreds of places connect with God in new ways. People are learning to pray by just praying. Why don't you take on the challenge of a 24-7 Prayer room? Just Gather your friends, find a place, pick a week, get creative in the space and fill every hour of the week with a chain of prayer. Prayer vigils like these have been changing lives for 2,000 years and today millions are discovering that God's real, life's a miracle and the most powerful thing you can ever do is to pray. There you are. That's why we pray. Because God listens and God answers. People do wrestle um, sometimes with um, prayer, don't they? Some people do struggle with prayer. And they ask the question, why should I pray? Um, They make a point, perhaps you've heard it yourself. If God knows everything, if he's omniscient, if he's all-knowing, if he's all-powerful, omnipotent, what is the point of praying? Why should I bother getting on my knees for half an hour every morning asking a God that already knows everything and can already do everything to do anything if he's already going to do whatever he wills? And whilst that's an understandable thing today to do, to say, to think even, um, it's far too simplistic and it misunderstands something far more radical about prayer. And there's two things we're going to look at this morning. That prayer, two reasons for prayer. One is that prayer is a relationship. Prayer is about how we grow in our relationship with God And it's about partnership. 
Prayer is about how we partner our wills with God's will to change the world. So let's look at relationship, first of all. Um, Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 7, the following thing. He said, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. That's quite a thing uh, to say to his disciples. I've put that up um, again. <laughs> um, because actually it's fundamentally about relationship, prayer. Regardless of your marital status or whether you're lonely or in a crowd, God is your significant other. He is the one that wants to be in the best relationship you could possibly enjoy. Effective prayer, the Bible tells us, is rooted in genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. I know lots of people that have almost no relationship with Jesus Christ, very nominal perhaps in their faith. And then when they pray for things and it don't happen, they say, well, you know, where was God and all that? But you think you've got to have a genuine relationship with Jesus. It's rooted in that genuine faith about obedience, our holiness, our words and our deeds. Prayer is a relationship. And it's also a two-way conversation. That's the reason it's a relationship. Because we get to talk to God. We get to share our thoughts and our worries. We get to thank him. We get to bring our requests But we also get to listen to what God wants to say to us. God speaks and is desperate to speak to every single one of us, I believe, every single day. But like every other relationship, you have to work out what God sounds like. You've got to listen for that still, small voice and recognize that's God talking to me. Because that's the way God always talks. That's how God's communicating, through his word or through some some other way. But we know the voice of God when we're listening for the voice of God because it's a relationship. A sad story of a beautiful Irish bride who accidentally drowned the night before her wedding in 1845. Her heartbroken fiancé, a man called Joseph Scriven, I think that's how he pronounced his surname, um, eventually emigrated to Canada. After a while, he fell in love once more, but his new fiancé contracted pneumonia, and she too died before their wedding day. After this double tragedy, Joseph Scriven would never marry again, But then in 1855, he received news that his mother back in Ireland was seriously ill. In an attempt to send comfort across the ocean, Joseph wrote his mum a poem entitled Pray Without Ceasing, the words of which were to become one of the best-loved hymns of all time. See if you recognise it. It goes like this. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what pain, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. It is an amazing joy to be able to bring everything to God in prayer. And that's only possible because it is a relationship through Jesus Christ. A father, a busy businessman, was off on a lengthy business trip And uh, and as he walked out the house, he noticed his six-year-old son looking quite upset that his dad was going to be away for a long time. And so he quickly gave his son a piece of paper with his mobile phone number on it. And he said to his son, I promise you, you can call me any time and I will always answer. And sure enough, the son phoned a lot. And his dad kept his promise. He would always make an excuse to duck out of whatever important meeting he happened to be in at the time and always take his son's call, happy to discuss whatever little thing was on his son's mind. And that is the beauty of prayer. 
that we can relate and we can know God whenever, wherever. He's never too busy to listen to his children. And we can know his fatherly love. And you know when you make prayer, if you make the relationship with God your goal when you pray, your prayer life will become rich. If you make your want list your goal when you pray, your prayers will soon disappoint you as will God. But if a relationship with God becomes the reason you pray, prayer will become rich very quickly. When we pray, I wonder, do we just talk? Do we tell God all the things we need and then sign off like a lengthy email to Argos or somewhere? But do we actually spend time in the presence of God? When you pray, when I pray, do you ever just have a moment where you just sit in silence and you just say, Lord, say whatever you want to say? And even if you hear nothing, knowing that just being in God's presence is wonderful and pleasing to God. You imagine any other relationship where you didn't take time to listen I've been married, well, me and Andrea have been married for 18 years this coming Christmas. Um, feel free to buy us presents, we don't mind. Um, Andrea will be embarrassed, I won't give them to me, I'll, I'll take them anywhere. Um, but 18 years, but can you imagine an 18-year marriage where I woke up every morning and just said, um, I want a cup of tea. No, I want, a, I want a cup of tea. I want sugar in it, milk, only that much, and I'd like it upstairs. And I'd like my washing done. And um, ironing, please. Um, not please, just ironing. Um, I'm going out. I'll see you Thursday. Um, great. Can you imagine that sort of relationship? I can imagine that sort of relationship, and it wouldn't be very nice. Um, I, wouldn't survive, I wouldn't have survived longer than about 30 seconds, actually, um, after the wedding day. Um, but can you imagine a marriage that was like that? One-way traffic. Just do this, do that. I want this, and I want that. That's no relationship, is it? That's a, that's a poor relationship. A better relationship is one where you communicate, where you spend time in each other's company, where you laugh, where you joke, where sometimes you just sit in silence, but you sit together. That's what God offers through relationship in Jesus Christ. So the reason we pray isn't just so that something would happen. It's so that we would know God better. Second reason is partnership. Alongside this beautiful reality of having a relationship with God, um, we're actually to be in partnership with him. And don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. I'm not suggesting that when I pray I get God to do what I want. That's not how it works. God is God. I am just a man. Um, God is still God. I follow his will, not the other way around. But prayer does change the world. And equally, a lack of prayer can have a dramatic effect on an area as well as lots of prayer does. If God didn't need us at all, he wouldn't tell us to pray. But God calls us to partner with him and his will. In Reading recently, um, apparently there's been something of a mini revival. I don't know if you've, uh, you won't have seen it on the news, but you may have heard about it. They reckon seven or 800 people have become Christians and started attending churches in Reading. It's amazing. If that happened, anywhere else would be jumping up and down. What an amazing thing to happen. And we think, oh, wow, what did they do? As a, as a church leader, my immediate thing is to get my pen out and think, what, um, what, uh, what strategies did you have in place? What are your small groups like? What did you do on a Sunday morning? And I'm sure they did all of that. But what they did is they've been praying for about 10 years for Reading. You don't get the goal. You don't get the fruit without the labor. You don't get the fruit without the planting. You don't get the fruit without the blood, sweat, and tears. And prayer is a part of that process. But they partner with God. God has willed it to change those lives and the church is partnered with him as their will has joined with God's. In John chapter 14, verse 13, Jesus says this. Hang on, there we are. He says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son of Man 
um, so the Son may bring glory to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. We partner with God when we pray. I heard a quote once that says, if you want to know how popular a church is, go along on a Sunday morning and see how many people are there. If you want to know how popular the minister is, go along to the Sunday night service and see how many people are there. Don't think about the fact that we've not had an evening service for a few years. But if you want to know how popular God is, go to the prayer meeting and see how many people have turned up. Prayer is our spiritual bread and butter. It's our power. Charles Spurgeon, his church in London, used to have something called the engine room or the boiler room, I think it was actually called. And before every service, they would have a prayer meeting underneath where they met. And do you know how many people used to attend that prayer meeting before they met for their worship on a Sunday morning? Hundreds. Because they understood that prayer wasn't just relationship, it was partnering the power and the will of God. Pascal said, God instituted prayer to bestow upon his creatures the dignity of causality. Let me translate that for you. Um, It simply means that God has given us the blessing to be able to pray into something that God already wants to do and see it happen. God has given us the blessing of being a part of what he does and being almost the cause of it, but amongst and underneath his sovereignty. I don't tell God what to do, but he allows me to pray in to what he wants to do. Somebody mentioned at our prayer meeting last week about World War II, and how the whole of this nation was called together to pray, to ask God to protect us from the threat that was just across the channel. And when England was at its weakest, Britain at its weakest, we prayed, we asked God to move. And there was blessing We survived, and the rest is history. A direct result of prayer, not just Winston Churchill. Think about that next part of the Lord's Prayer. We began it earlier on um, last week. Think about what we didn't go on to read. Jesus says, this is how you pray. Say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation. It's about relationship, isn't it? Help me with my sin. Help me to love the way you do. Live the way you do. But your kingdom come. It's about partnership as well. Prayer is about both those things. So how should we pray? How do we pray? So many people find it so difficult. Well, three things to just take away this morning. Number one, this is how you should pray. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. I remember when Hannah Marie was very young, she upset me. Sadly, that's not been the last time she's upset me. Um, I think I've upset her more than she's upset me, actually, over the years, but there we are. Um, but she upset me once. Um, I shouted at her about something. I can't even remember. She was about four, I think, and I told her off. And, um, and she went away, and she clearly thought about it. And she wrote me a little note. And uh, she couldn't spell the word sorry, so it just said sore, S-O-R-E. This is very cute, isn't it? And, uh, and she wrote it, and it said, To Daddy, I saw... Love Hannah. Now, it wasn't particularly uh, poetic. You know, if she spelt a word wrong, it wasn't long. She didn't give a three-point reason why it was secretly my fault or who, who it was to blame. She just said, sorry, it was simple and to the point. But I understood everything she was trying to say. And you know, when you pray, it's exactly the same with God. Even if you can just groan something, God already knows what you're groaning. In fact, the Bible says God even knows what you're going to ask before you ask it. How amazing is that? But he still wants you to say it. 
because that's what a relationship is. I know exactly what Andrea's going to say most of the time before she says it and vice versa, which is very annoying because I go to make a point and Andrea's already said it, um, already knows what I'm going to say. But you imagine if we never said what the other person was going to say. It'd be very quiet. (laughs) And it's good when you say it. It's good when you speak because you build that relationship. And God is not worried by how simple a prayer is. I know some of you here this morning have never prayed out loud in a group. I know some of you here this morning refuse to pray out loud in a group because you feel that your prayers aren't good enough, that they're too simple, too simplistic, not the kind of prayers a Christian should be praying. They should be better. They should be more theological, more poetic. And maybe you're put off when some of us who probably pray a bit longer pray a long prayer and you think, I can't keep up with that. Well, let me tell you, that sometimes the prayers that are not good enough aren't the simple ones, but actually sometimes the long, poetic, theological ones. Because just sometimes they're said with the wrong heart. They're said to impress rather than to express. If all your expression is three words, God help me, then that's said a thousand words in God's ears. So if you've never prayed out loud, next time we have a prayer meeting, I challenge you to pray out loud because it is a, a milestone in your faith. Second thing, keep it real. Some of you under the age of 25 are thinking, did he just say the phrase, keep it real? Who says that, number one? And you can't say that, you're too old. But uh, keep it real. Um, Yeah, keep it real. Don't make it up. Don't try and fluff it up into something it isn't. I remember a friend of mine, it's not a prayer, but he was giving his testimony outside our church in Chapel Heath. And he was there sort of preaching to the streets. We were a similar age. He was about 17 at the time. And he was talking away about his drug problem and his drink problem. I was sitting there thinking... He must have taken somebody else's testimony because that's not my mate Dave. He's not done, not Dave Tucker. Um, he's not done any of those things, but he felt the need to fluff it up. Don't bother. Keep it real. Just tell God exactly how you're feeling, exactly why you're thinking it. And don't worry about the rest. There's a story of a man who was dying of cancer um, and who just before he died had one evening where he was so angry and frightened and scared and frustrated that he spent the whole night just telling God exactly how he felt, raging at God, in fact angry why are you letting this happen in the morning when he woke up he felt ashamed of himself how could I possibly pray like that that's not how a Christian should express themselves and when the hospital chaplain came in to see him he told the chaplain how ashamed he felt at being so blunt with God and the chaplain said to him tell me what the opposite of love is and he said well hate and he said no you're wrong the opposite of love is indifference what you did last night was tell God exactly how you felt and that's okay in Luke chapter 18 um, verse 9 to 14 you have the story of the the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector and I'll read it to you because it's only a few verses it says to some who are confident in their own righteousness and look down on everybody else Jesus told this parable two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you the truth, this man rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. You can just tell God how you are feeling, and it's okay. He can handle it. 
Number three, keep it up. Keep it going. One of the problems with Christians, um, perhaps in the West, I don't know if it's a global problem, but certainly it's a Western problem. I think we're very comfortable, some of us, and we're too comfortable. So we tend to have very short-lived prayer times. So we say, I've been praying about this for ages, Lord, and that sometimes means I've prayed twice over six months. That's, uh, that may not be true for all of you, and I hope it isn't. But we're encouraged to pray without ceasing. And if you know the story, in the beginning of Luke chapter 18, the, the persistent widow who was um, being treated unjustly by somebody in her town, how she went to the judge, you know the story, she goes to the judge and she says, give me justice. And the judge says, oh, you know, go away, leave me alone. And she goes back and back and back and back and back until in the end the judge says, oh, fine, I'll help you. And the great thing is that story, we don't actually have to convince God by going on, but we're called to bring our prayers all the time, over and over and over. And if you want a, a rich prayer life, don't just do it once. Keep it up all the time. And so the point is this morning that God longs for a friendship with every single one of us. He wants you in his relationship with you so much that he sent his son to be nailed to a cross to die for you, to take your sin away, the true block between you and him so that you can be cleaned and redeemed and saved from the pit. You see, salvation isn't just the absence of hell. It's the privilege of the presence of God. Romans 8, 26 to 27 says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express, and he searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. We're called in to the presence of God in a way that you could never think was possible. So leave this place and don't see prayer as a chore, as something to tick off before you go to work or when you come home from work or before you go off to the Haley Centre or college or whatever. See it as an opportunity to know God better and as a privilege to partner with him as to what he is doing.